You're listening to Movie Homework, brought to you by the Binge Media Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Jack, and I'm joined today, as always, by my co-host, Chad C. How you doing? I'm good, sir. How are you? Not bad, man. Not bad. We're in the <laughs> uh, we're in the thick of a proper summer movie season for the first time in, like, I don't know, four or five years, it feels like. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're not just kind of mm-hmm. holding our hopes on, on, on one movie. We've got, uh, you know, we've got Oppenheimer coming up. We've got fucking Barbie coming up. We've got a Scorsese movie that's in the bank for a couple of months from now. And we are recording this on the weekend of Dead Reckoning, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1's opening. Right. And uh, How dare you not refer to it as Barbenheimer? Come on, Jack. Gosh. Sweeping the world. <laughs> I'm, I'm not as hip as the kids these days. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, uh, not up on the You even got your t-shirt? No t-shirt to wear to the opening night yet, and everyone's doing <laughs> t-shirt. The last time I wore a t-shirt in public, I can't even tell you. In any case, um, so we decided to commemorate Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One's release. This week, we are going to take a look at the original 1996 Brian De Palma directed Mission Impossible film. Um, yeah, we'll start it off with the trailer. They knew, they knew we were coming. Do you read me? I don't care how he did it. I want to know why he did it. You're worried about me. Why you survived. I'm sure we can find something I have that you need. Mission Impossible. So... We've done some Brian De Palma movies on Movie Homework in the past. Uh, Dress to Kill, Coming to Mind, is one that uh, I had a really good time with. I actually have rewatched that several times since we did our episode back in the day. Um, and De Palma is a director who... There's something about his style that didn't initially gel for me the first time that I saw a lot of his films. Um, but especially over the years, you know, the way that Blowout has kind of risen in my uh, in my, my mind is, is like a great movie. Some of his other stuff. I, I don't know, Mission Impossible, the original one, bit of a blind spot for me. I'm not going to lie to you. I've seen all of the other movies multiple times. This one, I think I had only seen maybe once. But uh, okay. how, uh, what, how many times have you seen this movie and uh, what was your reaction to it initially? So, yeah, you guys did. That was one of the ones I sat out for movie homework. I think, didn't Tom take my seat for that one? So I didn't get to do the the uh, the De Palma, the round, which broke my heart. Yeah. I fucking love me some De Palma. So um, for mission, the first Mission Impossible, I don't know, a handful of times probably. Um, mm. Definitely, definitely lesser than the more recent ones, I think. Mm. You know, the, the newer ones have taken on a more like just giant action uh, adventure type movies and this is definitely more of the uh more espionage you know lower level spy movie you can very much see De Palma's hands all over this um yeah. so yeah, I don't know four or five times I've seen it for sure um uh, for some reason 
I just I'm gonna fucking out myself here. Mission Impossible Two. Growing up as a kid, I I loved the action scenes in that, like yeah. the motorcycle and he steps up and the gun. You know, as I've gotten older, I realize the error of my ways, and uh, that's yep. definitely the lesser of the Mission Impossibles. But that John Woo, uh, that action hanging from the cliff and shit. I think, yeah, two between those two, I definitely saw two more than this one. But uh, yep. yeah, this is good rewatches this week, and. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about this. So. I, I think this is one of those um, age things because I, I'm, I'm with you. I watched two way more. Um, yeah. We had it on DVD, I remember, back mm-hmm. in the day. We didn't have one, but we had two. Ironically, my all of my, um, I don't know, awareness of one came from the soundtrack. For whatever reason, my dad had a stack, a weird stack of CDs. It was like Donna Summer Greatest Hits. Earth, Wind, and Fire Greatest Hits, Boston Self-Titled, and the fucking Mission Impossible soundtrack. I don't know what cross-section of music that was or why he had his hands on it, but he did. (laughs) So I spent a lot of time listening to the Mission Impossible theme song, and I always loved that. But I think when you're a kid and you're looking for just action, this movie comes across as very slow and kind of adult in a way that I don't think any of the other ones feel like, you know? Um, yeah, for th- sure. There's like a, you said espionage. There's like an international intrigue to this, but there's also the, this is probably like, it's not overtly sexual, but the fact that Ethan Hunt kind of has eyes for his boss's or his team leader's <laughs> wife. Yeah. That, that's like, that's not even a, like, the Ethan Hunt in the current Mission Impossible movies, you're, you're not even really confident that he has any desire for anything, you know, like other than just save mm. people in the world. So, yeah, it's a little interesting here. But. Well, he's definitely more of a human in this one, right? He's, he turns into more like a superhero as it goes on. And he, you know, he's he's tired in this one he, at, the, at the computer. He's like rubbing his eyes. And yeah, he's definitely, yeah. you know, more. Sub, this is definitely more subdued of, of the bunch as I think, I honestly think it, it, it's with the second one that kind of kicked off that whole, you know, this guy's invincible, he's hanging from the cliff, and then sure. it just really ups the ante from there, you know, fallouts to helicopter fight, and I think you and I have seen the new one, I'm like spoiled, but yeah, it just it, it just upped the ante pretty much ever since two, so this one was more, yeah, I mean, obviously, this is a De Palma movie for sure, you can, I mean, like I said, you can see his hands all over this one, and, oh. yeah, it, there's so much stuff. The, the Dutch angles right off the right out the gate. Yep. Oh yeah. And yep. one thing I, I don't know if you've seen uh, that. I think Bombach might have directed it. I know he was, at least was interviewing him. The De Palma documentary. Did you ever catch that? Yeah. Yeah. When it came out, I, I, that's one I really want to revisit because I watched it when it came out. And I, like, yeah, I, I've seen a lot more De Palma after I watched that movie, yeah. honestly, than before. So yeah, I, I need to rewatch that. One of the things I really appreciate, especially after watching that documentary, him talking about his own visual style and, you know, he gets really in the weeds about the fact that he felt like he was the only filmmaker who truly took up the mantle of Hitchcock in terms of visual storytelling, Mm -hmm. like really trying to make sure that every shot was interesting to look at. And I think you really feel that in this movie. Um, And it's, it, I think it's a big difference from a lot of the other mission films. There are great shots. There are amazing stunts as the series goes on and, you know, incredible action scenes. But I do think that this one really stands apart visually as feeling like an auteur filmmaker 
is putting his stamp on some sort of espionage spy movie. Um, and I really responded to that. Like, I thought that was really interesting. Um, there's so much in well, the, this. Like, well, even to your to your point before. Yeah. Well, hold on, sorry. Uh, like, uh-huh. this is part of the trivia. It's like, despite the movie being praised for another top action movie, only five gunshots occur in the entire movie, which and none yeah. of which are from Tom Cruise, right? So it's like, yeah, this is very much that, uh, as we were saying, that that spy thriller type. So yeah, I mean, even the simplest shots, like for instance, oh, okay, you know the the uh, you know the restaurant exploding fish tank scene is is great, but mm. then. You know, De Palma, during that sequence, he moves to a moment where Ethan Hunt is just walking up a staircase. But the way De Palma films it is from the top of the staircase down, and he gets a perfect spiral shot of the staircase. And it's a simple scene, right? It's just like a character moving from one place to another. But everything Mm -hmm. looks great. And that, more than anything, really engaged me watching this. Um, This was one of the... This was some of the most fun I've had revisiting a movie for, for movie homework. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, nice. This really, really landed for me. But um, without getting too far ahead, so a lot of really great elements in here. But I want to start off with something that I, I, I brush up against a little bit. And it is John Voight in this movie. Now, okay. I like John Voight. I think he's a great actor. I actually think that about 75% of his performance works. It's totally fine. I don't have any issues. But if you're telling me he's married to Emmanuel Biert, right? <laughs> Who is absolutely like 30 years younger than he is. Yep. And that that's going to be the thing that is like the motivating factor for him to, you know, kind of trying to fuck over Ethan Hunt. Um, I don't know if I buy that, man. That's a little much for me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can definitely see that. There's some MacGuffins and some, uh, yeah, there's some shit in this movie that you're just kind of like, yeah, I'll look beyond that. And honestly, like, doing doing a little digging of just seeing what other people's reactions were to this and just reading stuff online, a lot of people just don't understand this movie. They think it's really confusing. Huh. Um, and I think that's that might be a lot to do with... Uh, the whole void. I mean, it's got to be like the whole, because I mean, it's like don't trust anybody. But of course, shit just kind of happens. I mean, the, the Krieger character, sure, uh, it's kind of convenient. There's a lot of convenience, sure, with that aspect of it. But I don't think it. For me, it didn't necessarily take me out or deter from it. But I, I can see people's uh, points that that have some issues with that. Um, well, I, I think there's like four. Oh yeah, good. Sorry. Good. No, I was gonna say I think there's something that this movie establishes that. I think the subsequent ones, especially Fallout and Dead Reckoning and Rogue Nation, I'd say, those movies really embrace this idea that, like, the Mission Impossible movies are now about how they make a Mission Impossible movie. And mm-hmm. there's so, there's a part of you that if you love these movies and you really love watching them, you kind of go in and you say, okay, I know that I'm getting amazing stunts, I'm getting a decent story, and there's going to be some contrivance no matter what, but you're there to see them execute something that nobody can do and, and do it as, as well as humanly possible. This movie, you know, the Langley sequence, right? Which, I mean, we got to talk about that. 
Mm-hmm. The Langley sequence is so incredibly shot, executed. In, in, I mean, in terms of the audio, the visual component, Tom Cruise's physical performance, you just kind of get on the ride and you say, okay, Tom Cruise is going to get me there. I don't, re- I, I, and I'm okay with like, if it's a little cheesy or if this detail doesn't work for me, so be it. Like, I, I don't know. It's, I, I don't know of another film franchise that knew right away to just put its trust in the star and let him do what he needs to. Um, it, it really sets Mission Impossible apart, I think, from a lot of other franchises out there. Um, it, yeah, and it, it also doesn't hurt that this was uh, the beginning of Mr. Tom Cruise's production company with his uh, ex-agent, uh, Paula Wagner. So that right. was, uh, yeah, this is the beginning. So he, he knew he wanted to like, kind of move into this type of he wanted to control his career essentially and this this really is if you look at his imdb you know it's not a top gun in days of thunder which i guess if you want to consider those action movies this was like the beginning of his action movie career essentially and then i mean he became an action star really after this i mean he did he did something like eyes wide shut jerry mcguire who's not even oscar and then magnolia but then after that really just minority report last samurai war of the world i mean it it really just kicks off that action career for him so yeah it's his career is, is fascinating to me. It's basically like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to read off uh, his IMDb here because I think there's a really interesting thread that you can kind of tie all of his movies together with. But, you know, starting with Legend, right? Okay, so you get Ridley Scott. Top Gun, you get Tony Scott. Color of Money, you get Scorsese. Mm-hmm. Uh, skipping ahead a little bit. Rain Man is, uh, was that Barry Levinson, I think? Or Barry Sonnenfeld? One yes. of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Born on mm-hmm. the Fourth of July, you get Oliver Stone. Days of Thunder's back with Tony Scott. Far and away, I want to say that's Ron Howard. A Few Good Men, Rob Reiner, The Firm. I don't know. Interview with the Vampire. I don't know. Mission Impossible, De Palma, Jerry Maguire, um, Cameron Crowe, Eyes Wide Shut, Stanley Kubrick, Magnolia, mm-hmm. P.T. Anderson, fucking <laughs> yep. Mission Impossible Two, John Woo, Vanilla Sky, Cameron Crowe again, Minority Report. Spielberg, The Last Samurai, Ed Zwick, Collateral, Michael Mann, <laughs> Spielberg again, J.J. Abrams. Skip ahead no. a little bit, you get uh, James Mangold, you get uh, Brian Singer, you've got Brad you, Bird. You skip, you, you skip Ben Stiller for Tropic Thunder, dude, come on. I did, very intentionally, <laughs> yes, thank you. His, his career is, it's not perfect, right? He's got some duds, he's got some no, okay yeah, yeah. movies in there, everybody does. But I think in terms of his choices, his choices are always smart ones. You can tell that he wanted to work with the best possible directors to at least dip his toes into the water of like a lot of different kinds of movies. Um, sure. A lot of them, they hired Tom Cruise, and Tom Cruise played a version of Tom Cruise, which is what it is. But up to a certain point, it seems like he built his career off the back of some blockbuster films, but also always having an eye on who the great working directors are and trying to, to work with them. It's, it's fascinating. It's a really well-managed career. A couple of duds, you know, notwithstanding. Um, and it got him to a point now where he writes his own ticket and, you know, he just wills a Top Gun movie into existence and then just fucking, you know, spends his life working on the next Mission movie or whatever that is. No, I mean, uh, 
saving theatrical. I mean, he's he. I don't know if you realize how much uh, this dude means to the. I mean, he's Top Gun last year essentially did save theatrical. I mean, it, it really, really did. They they knew what they were fucking. They knew what they had, and they released it perfectly. Held it for two and a half years, and I mean. He's a god, essentially, to uh, right. to us. <laughs> and right. so, right. yeah, I mean, he's he, he yeah, he, he knows what he's doing for sure. And it's it's going to be interesting, you know, as he, he's 62 years old now. So as he transitions into that elder, uh, but he, I mean, he was even saying the other day, he's like, I, I want to be 82 and making, uh, you know, Mission Impossible movies like it, like Harrison Ford's doing Indiana Jones still. And it's like, yeah. I, I'm not going to doubt the guy. I mean, people have, and the guy's proven everyone wrong consistently. So I, I, who am I to doubt this dude? He he is. He, I feel like he is almost at that point, though. He's showing his age. If you've been seeing any of the red carpets and stuff, he is looking yeah. a little older now. But He, he but, looks uh, tired. He definitely looks uh, tired. Oh, <laughs> for sure, um, for sure, yeah. But, yeah, just I, I don't know. I find him, you know, he's never been a favorite actor of mine. But he's, he's a guy yeah. that I, I can't deny the body of work. You know, it, mm-hmm, for sure. my my personal, the, the guy I would compare him to in terms of the type of career that he has charted for himself, on the flip side would be like DiCaprio. You know, DiCaprio has done the same thing. He wanted to work with the best directors and he's really leaned into that over time. And, you know, I think his results are maybe a little bit more in line with my tastes overall, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's just, it's it's, you know incredible body of work from an acting and you know now producing standpoint but um yep. but yeah so a lot of great stuff in this movie first thing that they do that and again i didn't remember much from it outside of i kind of knew that voight is the the villain at the end of the movie but i totally forgot that they have an entire team that gets killed in the first 20 minutes of the movie <laughs> uh so smart so so interesting and i think again in terms of a franchise having longevity, they have really kind of dined out on that idea uh, for six subsequent movies. You know, it's, it's really like informed the Ethan Hunt character over time. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know, it's just, it's really done wonders for, uh, for the storytelling that they're doing now with, with the modern ones. But did you, did you read that? So Phelps is like the only character that was uh, in the original TV show. Did you ever watch the TV show? I never did. I think. No, um, same. Uh, who was it? Uh, he played uh, fuck uh, Mark, Martin Landau. I think Martin Landau was in Mission Impossible, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I yeah. never never checked it out. So I think yeah. So Phelps is like the only character that crossed over. But I th- what I was reading is the original plan was to bring back the entire principal cast, and they were going to be part of Hunt's team, and they were the ones that were going to be killed off in the first twenty minutes. And the entire cast rejected it, and they're like, "We'll never do that." So uh, yeah, that's I can then kind of pivoted to the next. Uh, Next bit, but I mean, there's so many cameos in this movie, so many you know bit parts. I mean, fucking Emilio, Gordon Bombay, yeah, getting getting got in the elevator by Rob Botton <laughs> until he had his practical effects. So fucking good. Forgot about that scene though. It was, yeah, it was so fucking good. Yeah, I, I, Rob Botton, who did the thing practical effects for the people listening. If you you didn't know this, <laughs> the god, the god. Um, <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I know that uh, there was an interview with Emilio Estevez sometime in the past. I don't know year where it popped up and somebody mentioned, you know, what was your experience like on Mission Impossible? He's like, oh, it was great. And, you know, Tom called me a few years back and apologized for killing me off in the first one. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, yeah, you know, it, it, but, but it makes this movie, I think, work as well as it does. The fact that you start with a, a cast of characters, 
90% of them are gone within, you know, 20 minutes and everything's on edge. And, you know, Ethan's kind of on his, on his heels immediately trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. Um, yep. I think it works phenomenally well. Kristen Scott Thomas, I don't know her from a ton of stuff. I know she was in The English Patient and she's popped up in a few things here or there, but I thought she was she was good in this. Um, but the whole only supporting God, cast... Only God forgives, man. Only God forgives. Come on. You know, I never mom. watched that and I, I don't oh, know. No. I haven't gotten to it. <sighs> All right. Um, I would say uh, it's a really weird ref in me and she's... Uh, She's pretty good in it. I'll say that. I'll say All that. Right. I'll leave it at that. All right. All right. All right. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> but as far as the supporting cast goes, so we were talking John Voight, but Emmanuel Bierth is is good. Um, again, it, that's just a weird dynamic to me, but I don't think that's necessarily her fault. Um, Henry Zerny? Zerny? Journey? However you yep, pronounce Zerny. that. Yeah, Zerny. Zerny. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's really solid. Um, he plays the standard, uh, you know, CIA boss but also like hard-nosed kind of uh we're gonna get this guy because we know that he's the mole and uh gonna stop another to try and find him gittridge very cool name um jean reno this is a guy who i didn't you know when i was a kid i hadn't seen the professional yet so the thing i knew him from was the godzilla remake like oh yes yeah roderick yeah Yeah. you know i hate how similar in age we are because I same. I mean, I <laughs> that's I had all the fucking Godzilla toys of yep. that fucking movie. Yep, yep. absolutely. Yep. Well, I Damn. remember, dude. That would be a funny one to do. I remember loving that movie when I was a kid. I've not seen it in twenty same. years at least. So um, <laughs> probably say, <same. laughs> yeah. Uh, Vanessa Redgrave. She's also, I think, very solid in this. Is Max? Um, yeah, she there, wants to there's... fuck Ethan so bad. They just get it, yeah. yeah instantly. They their their chemistry is kind of weird because it, it, it's almost that same thing that John Voight to Emmanuel. It's like the Tom Cruise of Vanessa. She's like, I think she's in her sixties in this movie. Even yeah, and, uh, yeah. She's she wants there's, him bad. <laughs> uh, there's some interesting age gap stuff here, but you know, 1996. I guess it was a different time. So, um, that's right. But I, I think the big one to to mention is of course uh, you know Ving Rhames being the I think he's the only guy right other than. Tom Cruise, who's in all of these memory service. Yes, yep. Uh-huh, um, definitely. So that's a, you know, that that's a hell of an accomplishment on on its own. I mean, I don't know how much of it was just, you know, luck uh, being on the first movie and then chumming up with Cruise or whatever. But, yeah, mm. uh, he's great here. It, it, it's interesting to see the difference in character with Luther and Ethan in this movie compared to where they are now. You know, they're both older, yep. and obviously that's going to be a thing, but... It seems like Luther, like Luther was almost being played as if he had just gotten out of prison in a way, like like maybe like a federal prison in this movie. And I think that kind of goes away for all the other f- films because you know he's just he's just Luther at that point. But, um, yeah. But yeah, so that, that's interesting stuff. Um, what did you? So so there's something I mentioned before we started recording that I thought was ironic about the fact that we're reviewing this movie this week. Um, and it has to do with the music. Do you have any clue as to what I mean by that? Yeah, we're we're on a new Lalo Schifrin podcast, yeah, exactly. right? <laughs> so this we week on the Lalo the- Schifrin movie homework podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he needed the score for Bullet and Rage, which we just did. So <laughs> yeah, weird coincidence, but um, but yeah. So one thing that I pulled, he, was did the, actually... he did the theme. He did the theme, but Elfman did the score for this. Not to confuse yes. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes. Yep. 
Um, one thing I, I pulled was actually from the De Palma documentary. Um, this is a, an interesting clip. He's actually talking about his opportunity with Mission and, you know, the studio's intentions for it. So, I don't know, thought it was interesting. Here you go. Again, it's a matter of being in the right place at the right time. Mike Ovitz called me up and said, interested in doing Mission Impossible with Tom Cruise? I said, are you kidding? Of course. Because I, I was determined to make a huge hit. And I said, with Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible, I'm ready. So this was a situation where whatever Tom wanted to do, they would make. They didn't care. They just wanted to make Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible. Interesting. Like, just a blank check. Let's make the movie. Let's get the movie star. Just fucking do it. So uh, seems to have worked yeah, out so far. There's a little bit more. Uh, I, I don't know. I have the like the forty, not the forty. It's like the twenty uh, year anniversary or whatever edition. Mm. They're talking about how uh, Cruz and Spielberg used to live by each other, and so he went and had dinner with Spielberg, and De Palma was there, and so he was like, they had dinner, and of course they were talking about. He's like, oh, I'm shopping. I'm, I'm doing this interview with a vampire thing, and he said he went home that night and then like stayed up for fourteen hours and watched like every De Palma movie he could. Uh, and then he's like, this is the guy that I want to do Mission Impossible. So, yeah, it's, just, yeah, it's a funny kind of little Hollywood backstory all around with this one. So, you know, it's, it's, wild. Yeah, it's, wild. it's interesting, too, because, I mean, like, De Palma mostly, like, he wrote a lot of his stuff, too, right? And this is this has, like, five writers on it, and he's like, I wanted to make a hit. And <laughs> he hadn't had a hit. Yeah. Minute, so. Well, you know, so part of that clip that I, I actually cut out because it just was a little bit too long was talking about the fact that David Kep was writing the script and then um, that Cruz didn't like the character stuff that Kep was adding, so Cruz brought in Robert Town to add yes. in some character punch ups. Um, uh -huh. So pretty, uh, th that's a hell of a resume for um, for a script, you know. But um, yeah. you know, one thing we we kind of glossed over, and that's my fault, was uh, any of the box office numbers for this movie. So do you have any of that, and uh, how'd this do? Yes. Yeah, so this is uh, the number three highest grossing movie of 1996 domestically. This was like the, the year of action, man. It was wild. So number one that year was Independence Day. Twister came in at number two. Mission Impossible. Then The Rock is number four. Nice. Nutty Professor's at five. And then, you know, you got some Eraser, uh, Star Trek First Contact, Space Jam, Mr. Holland's Opus, Broken Arrow. And then Jerry Maguire's number 18. This was the year of Cruise, man. You know, he got nominated for Oscar for that. But this was uh, this was also released in. Let me see here. Oh, I just I just lost my place. Uh oh. Uh, oh May twenty no. second, May twenty second of ninety six. Okay. And uh, this was the week after. Uh, no, two weeks after Twister. So it didn't have uh, a ton of uh, breathing room in between these guys. Of course, it's summer movie season, which we're in right now. So and then The Rock released two weeks after. So yeah, it was just it was nonstop. But yeah, it's always interesting looking back at you know. The, the the box office for the summer and what it is, but it grossed, and that's why we have fucking seven of these movies now. About to be eight next year, or maybe the year after with the writer's strike. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, it's wild, absolutely wild. Um, so yeah, the uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about was I an expectation that I had going into this movie was that I felt like it was going to be a step down from other mission movies that I've seen since then, like. The, there's an aspect of this franchise to me that has felt sort of um, iterative. And when I say that, I mean since really like three, I feel like they've gotten better with each movie. And that Fallout was at, was like such a height that it would be tough to to go back, right, to, to an older mm -hmm. one. 
I was actually pleasantly surprised that this movie was doing its own thing and that the action within it was interesting and actually for the most part I thought still looked pretty good you know that finale on the train it, it, it's pretty decent the way that it's shot yeah. now granted mm-hmm. in the tunnel with the helicopter eh, sure <laughs> that's not great <laughs> but when when Voight and and uh, Cruz are on top of the train and the wind is whipping the both of them back and forth and he's kind of hanging on by his fingernails and all that stuff um I think that all plays. I think that all looks pretty damn good still. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I was pretty impressed. But... Definitely. Yeah. Well, really good time. Uh, enjoyed pretty much every second of this movie. I-, I was surprised at how much I liked it. But again, this is another De Palma movie that I've I've come to kind of later on and, and really enjoyed. So I, I think i got to clean up his filmography because I have a feeling I'm going to like even more of them. But, uh... what do you, so... You've seen mo- like if you've seen like the Fury, Carlito's Way, like all like yeah. All those so dressed- I've, yeah, yeah. I've, I've got his filmography up, so let me just drill through it quick. Well, so because I know you did uh, you did a docket Phantom of the Paradise, right? Yeah. So that I mean okay. that's my favorite De Palma movie. I, I fucking love Phantom of the Paradise, but that's okay. a weird one. Not everybody is on yep. board with that, and I get it. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't seen Sisters or Obsession. I haven't seen Body Double. Wise Ooh, guys, really? okay. yeah, or Bonfire of the Vanities, uh, and I haven't seen Snake Eyes, Mission to Mars, Femme Fatale. So pretty much anything past Mission Impossible, I don't think I've seen. Um, no Snake think, Eyes, come on, dude, Nick Cage, gosh, no, no Snake Eyes, son. But <laughs> it's, it's one of those things. I've actually seen the opening sequence from Snake Eyes, and it looks awesome. It's like a one shot in, in a, yeah, the, in a fight or something. Uh huh. Um, yeah, it's a boxing match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, that, that's what I mean. Like, even some of the lesser De Palma movies, I feel like I should take the time to watch them because I, I find that he's he's trying to be visually interesting. Even if the movie doesn't totally land, there's like a lot to chew on. And I, I don't know. I think I would respond to that. So I, 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 I mean, yeah, he's. We didn't really even talk much about like. So De Palma, of course, was a part of that film brat, right? I mean, he was the film brats with Scorsese, right. Lucas, Spielberg, all all those guys, and I feel like definitely he's the most. Even though he has Scarface, Mission Impossible, a lot of these, you know, body double bigger movies, he's definitely the the lesser known or the lesser appreciated one, I, I feel like, of that bunch for sure. Obviously, he's never won an Oscar or anything like that, and he probably never will at this point, but... Yeah. Yeah, he's just, he's of course known for kind of being a, you know, a pervert or whatever. He's so sexual. Right. His movies are so sexual, and yeah, I don't know, though. I think he, he plays that, easier. though, and I think he... Yeah, 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 for sure, but I think that's just kind of... I don't know. I don't know... There definitely is that element to his movies, but I don't think necessarily that he's like a. Pro- I think he thinks it's funny in a way. Yeah. Like I, he's just got a different mind, right? It's, it's just it's, I don't know. It's, it's just how it fires for him. It's, he's not trying to be overtly sexual, but that's just kind of how it comes across. I mean, even some of the scenes with like you were saying with uh, with Claire in this, it's like your your boss just died and you're already feeling her up and like pin her on the bed and so yeah, it's just kind of yeah. <laughs> yeah, I no, I think you're right. I think that that's that's it's always come across as like more of a sense of humor thing than anything. And for I don't sure, know if that's yeah, just yeah. because of the movies that I've seen, but he also has some interesting ideas when it comes to like transgender stuff i mean raising cane and in dress to kill both deal with transgender characters um so i don't know he's he's just got a very curious perspective on on stuff um but i find mm-hmm. 
I don't know. He might be the the exact kind of niche that I'm looking for these days. I, I feel like yeah. yeah. I, gotta, I think I got to put Body Double on my list because I've heard a lot about that Dude, over yeah. the years. That so that I think that of course is his mo- one of the more like malign just because it it is pretty. Uh, there's some pretty gruesome kills in that movie, which uh, I think offended people a little bit. <laughs> one gotcha. in particular that I can think of. I, I'm a pretty big fan of the movie. I like Body Double. I think Blowout is my favorite movie of his. Yeah, um, I, I've just revisited that a lot within the last like five years, and I, I, yeah, just it really works for me. But I mean, I, yeah, I'm a huge De Palma fan, man. I really, really like this guy. Like Carlito's way, I think that's really underrated. Even though, uh, but see, here's my thing, though. I I don't know if Scarface holds up. I so I, all I, right. Here's my thing with Scarface. Um, when I was younger, I used to really not hate, but just be annoyed by Scarface because. Every yeah. fucking rap star, every player in the NBA, you know, <laughs> of course, yeah. me, Scarface, man, it's my life story. It's my life story. Scarface, mm-hmm. that's my life story. Mm-hmm. It's like really, really bad. <laughs> um, but over the years, at a certain point, I realized that Scarface is one of the greatest black comedies of all time. That movie mm. is fucking hilarious. I mean, you know, I know Law and Alex pointed this out, I think on a commentary years back. Where it's like Tony Montana playing basketball against like 11 other guys on the court or something. (laughs) Um, (laughs) There's a lot of weird, random shit in that movie. And I think Pacino knows it. And I think that movie is a lot funnier than people understand. Um, Mm. I could be way off, but if you ever want to rewatch it with that that lens, I think you'd have a good time. So, just my two cents. I I used to... I used to fucking love that. I think that was honestly one of the first, like, kind of gangster movies I saw with Goodfellas, and I was just like, yes! But then, I don't know, I revisited that, like, ten years or so ago, and I'm like, I don't know if this works so well that it is it did when I was younger. So, that's probably one, yeah, I should do a revisit as an adult. <laughs> Gotta see where I yeah. fall in, so. All right, well, I think it's that time for some superlatives, so I'll kick it Ooh. off. That's that, dude! Kupka, it's the scene stealer, or the cameo award. Um, I'm going with Henry Zerny here. I really like him in the movie. I, I think the whole cast is is very strong, but there's something interesting about him that I can't quite place. Um, the fact that he's, you know, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen the trailer for Dead Reckoning Part 1, but the fact that he is in the new movie was really cool, and I not to review a different movie than the one we're talking about, but I was very glad that I had revisited one before seeing that in the theater. There was a lot of like connective tissue that I thought was pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think he's really solid. I don't think I see him in enough movies and yeah, it was just a cool, cool performance from, uh, I don't know. It, it was a cool actor with a good performance that could have been a boring one, but I think he brought something interesting to it. So, mm-hmm. Nice. Um, I went with John Renault. That's 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 the yeah. only professional man. He, he's and he's he's honestly in this movie a lot less than I remembered him in because I was like, oh yeah, I forgot he's in this movie. But he's legit in like eight minutes of the movie total. I mean, it's yeah, it, yeah the Langley scene a little bit, but it's mostly Cruz. Of course, the helicopter scene. And then there's the uh, you know the the card trick essentially with the disc scene, right. and that's really it. He's in the intro scene. So I just love Renault. Uh, I've always liked him a lot. Leon is my absolute shit. I fucking love that movie, so yeah. that's where I went. So, fun fact, my barber of, I don't know, 20 years now, 
looks exactly like Jean Reno. Like, exactly <laughs> like him. Doesn't, you know, he's not French. He's definitely no. a Rhode Islander, but looks <laughs> identical. Okay. Very nice. Okay. Awesome. All right. Next one is the Valley. Well, fucking on, what it, the it, fuck? It's the Punchable Face Award. What do you got? I went with Mr. Henry Zerny, Jack. Oh, <laughs> oh interesting. It's not that he, he's, I think he's a great actor. No, nothing against his performance and not overacting or anything. He just has a punchable face. And <laughs> yeah, even in the, even in the new one, it's kind of punchable. But I honestly went back to 2019 with, uh, God damn it. What's the fucking uh, Samara weaving? Ready or not? He's the dad in that movie. And he's just yeah. a fucking cocksucker in that too. He's just got a punchable face. He, he's a great actor, but. There's something about that face I just want to punch. So that's where I went. That <laughs> yeah, works for me, but all right. What about you? Um, all right, so I dug a little deeper, and I went for an actor named Andreas Wisniewski. Okay. Now, who okay. is this guy? He is one of Max's, uh, like, bodyguards. But more importantly, okay. he is also in Die Hard. He's one of the terrorist goons that attacks oh. the tower. And... I think the shorter hair and glasses in that movie serve him much better than the long blonde hair in Mission Impossible. So, oh, is he the ho ho ho? I have a machine gun. That one. I think he is. I, I now I, I, oh, I, I didn't saw him realize that, and I saw the clip, but I need to look back and make sure that it's him and not somebody else. That's but I'm awesome. Sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah I did um, not even put that together. That's fantastic. Interesting. I think it is your. I'm looking at the IMDb right now. Yeah, I think yeah. it is him. Interestingly enough, he also has a bit part in Ghost Protocol, which is kind of cool. So it's it's Cruz like oh, really? he's even pulling you know bit actors from previous movies into the newer ones, which I think is is actually yeah, pretty yeah. admirable. So yeah, it's awesome. All right, next one we've got Ammon. Tell me something about something I was reading about. Best quote. So I went with one of Luther's lines that I I don't know if I could insert myself into this movie. My most appropriate role would probably be being Luther. Let's face it, uh, the tech guru. Uh, it's a bit. God damn it, Jack! God it's my lane. It. It's my lane. You fucking, uh, you fucking stole my. Who would this movie be better with the binge staffer? God damn it! God <laughs> damn it! You so, son of a bitch. Here's the quote: There was never any physical evidence I had, had anything to do with that that exceptional piece of work. Uh, that's just a fantastic piece of writing right there. Love it so. What do you got? Uh, I've got two. I, I was hard to pick, but I've got Kittredge. You've never seen me very upset. That's the the great uh, the water tank scene. And then, of course, Gordon Bombay, Emilio Estevez. Austin Lasagna, don't get any on you. It's fucking fantastic. <laughs> that, was, that was my runner-up. That's a good one. It's uh, good shit. There's a, there's a lot of good lines in this movie. I, I mean, there's a lot of like situational stuff that's very punchy and very direct. Even some of the uh, some of the dialogue when... Ethan is posing as the senator. I don't know. There were a couple of turns of phrase there that I thought were, were kind of clever. But um, All right, next one. I know this is a hot take. All right, Chad C., most entertaining scene. What do you have? It's got to be the Langley Vault scene, right? I mean, that... Yeah, yeah. It's just so... Is that what you have to? Uh, you have to. You have to. I mean, it's, okay, yeah, it, right, it's yeah, what yeah. makes the movie iconic. It's, it's, it's Yeah, scene. I mean... It, it, well, there's so many callbacks to that scene too, in the rest of the series, man. I mean, it, right. they they really still call back to that a lot. I mean, I think that that really kind of set this movie apart of what this was and this. Yeah, I mean, it, it's fantastic from the knife dropping to the the sweat into the hand. I mean, there's just it's it, even knowing what happens there, it's still so intense. You know, all these years later, it, it's just 
such so well shot. It's fantastic, man. I fucking love it. Great. It's it's a perfect display of why De Palma matters as a director. You know, mm-hmm. the tension and the suspense of it, knowing where it's supposed to go, what's it, what the stakes are, and what's going on there. The fact that the mm-hmm. room is is it's just engineered to be as difficult as possible. You have the pressure plates in the floor. You have the yep. temperature of the room. Uh, the, everything about it is just like so insanely locked down that the fact that they pull it off is so much fun to watch. Um, And of course, you know, the movies are called Mission Impossible and they should be impossible missions. So, there you go. Very true. Alright, the TM. I mean, wow. So for what holds up the best or and or the worst, um, what holds up the worst I mentioned earlier, the CGI in the tunnel at the end of the movie. Um, Mm. I think there are plenty of good shots. I think there's a lot in that sequence that looks better than I was expecting it to. But, man, the the helicopter. It really is just the helicopter. Because even when Ethan gets blown up and then thrown onto the train, the way that De Palma shoots it, it still looks pretty good. You know, like, there's Mm -hmm. one shot where you see Ethan kind of explode towards the train, and then he's right in front of the camera. And that's solid, but that helicopter's rough. Um, so that's not great. But as far as what holds up the best, we've said it throughout the podcast, but like I think the direction is fucking top notch. And I think the plot is awesome. Like it's it's kinda like you said, right? The stakes are not world ending for this movie, but they're it's intriguing and intricate enough where I was never bored and I was never confused. Now, the fact mm-hmm. that you said people at the time were confused by this movie that's a little surprising to me, but then again, maybe audiences weren't necessarily trained to pay attention to the details in something like a, like a blockbuster movie, um, the mm-hmm, way that maybe some sure. of them would be now, you know? So yeah. maybe that's where that comes from. Um, but yeah, direction and plot, I think, really hold up. I was very surprised by both. So I only have Age of the Worst, and I, I think it's anything involving Mr. Tom Cruise, Ethan Hunt, on a computer in this movie. It's mainly after the 32-minute uh, opening scene. He's, like, just typing along. And, you know, I'll, I'll forgive it for being, you know, a 1996 computer, all that shit. But the motherfucker types in internet access at one point. Yeah. So here's what I will say to that. I will talk to you about this off-air, so hopefully we remember after we record. There is a an Easter egg on the computer in one of these scenes. I have literally never seen it in another movie. I was shocked and impressed by whoever took the time to put it there. So while Tom Cruise's actual interaction with the computers is maybe not top-notch, somebody in the set design did their fucking homework in a big bad way when it comes to the computer stuff in this movie. So... I didn't rub up against that as as much as you did, um, but I understand. It's not it's not aces, we'll say. <laughs> sure. All right. Uh, PMC best use of music. I mean, I I'm just gonna fucking play it here because I, I can't imagine you have anything else. could 
play this song for the whole runtime and it still would be the best shit. It, like, it is such <laughs> a good theme song. I, I can't get over it. I mean, did you have anything outside of this? Um, so, a little bit, yeah, a little bit. So, the... Oh, okay. The, well, the helicopter, when he jumps on at the end, when Ethan gets there, it's a little bit of a different version of that, of course, yeah. when it hits, it's great. Um, but also the uh, the scene when he's talking to Kitridge at the, um, the restaurant and he blows it up, the, as he's running out, there's this, like, really... Uh, the score just like there's these trumpets that are blaring that like really works with that scene too i think so uh, yeah those are my two um it just yeah really good man it works so the whole score is really good in this i mean i it's it's impossible for me to not choose the theme song but there were actually a lot of musical cues that i liked um particularly there's one that they used that sounded like a um uh, almost like a drum core um can't remember a particular scene where it was playing now, but it played a couple of times in the movie. But even that, I thought was was really good. Uh, overall, I thought it was a very solid score. Yeah. All right, we got the nope. PJ Dynamite <laughs> Drop In, Monty. This is casting swap. So I uh, I stepped all over you uh, last category. So you you go first on this one. Do you have any ideas for this? So I I had to go with my girl Claire. I had to replace her. Emmanuel Boyert or whatever her name is. I, I just feel like what that what the fuck else has that chick been in? I don't I don't I don't recognize her from anything, yeah. and I don't ne- think she's necessarily great. She's not bad, but I uh, for some reason this she actually didn't hook up with the Palma until uh, ninety eight. Carla Gugino in that role. Uh, that's who I okay. had. I, I thought she would be decent in that in the mid nineties role. She was you know starting to become an actress at that time or kind of become a decently big name, and then. Uh, I, I just don't know. This Emmanuel, uh, she doesn't do it for me. I don't know. Where, where were you at? So I sought to solve a problem, and that problem was John Voight. And oh, again, okay. I said my piece, but I'm sorry. He's too old for, for the love triangle thing to work. So if you're going to keep that aspect of the movie here, I need somebody younger. I need somebody who could still be team leader and could maybe project a little bit of... Um, I don't know, maybe a little gravitas over uh, over Tom Cruise, right? And I thought about it, and I found somebody that actually has already played this role, in a sense, in another Tom Cruise movie. But I'm going with Bill Paxton in this role. Um, Ooh, so, I, okay. so I know he pops like up in Edge of Tomorrow in, in kind of the exact type of role I'm describing here. But um, admittedly, I was looking at other movies that were big in 96, and, and when I saw Twister and then Bill Paxton's name popped up, I was like, huh, that would make some sense. You know, Bill Paxton with, like, maybe full goatee or something in glasses, right? So that he has a little bit of a, I don't know, a, a superior air about him. Same, same as John Voight, you know. But mm-hmm. the fact that he's closer in age to Tom Cruise, I think makes that whole plot work a little better, and maybe they can do a little more with it throughout the runtime, you know, not necessarily make it a an afterthought to what else, whatever else is going on in the plot there, but, but yeah, would have liked to have seen that, so. Okay, okay, Hi, right. I like it, yeah. And the last uh, extra credit, which is swapping someone in the cast out for a binge staffer, um, for me... I don't know why, but just putting Ammon in a lot of movies is always hilarious to me. <laughs> so I kind of wanted Ammon to swap in as uh, CIA analyst William Dunlow. Because <laughs> seeing him in, like, you know, the fucking Langley 
room, um, looking shit up on the computer, you know, like Jelly's flip flops and like t-shirt and shorts, and then just like fucking throwing up and being a goofy motherfucker. I love you, Hammond, by the way, but I, just th- how fucking great <laughs> would that be? Th- tell me that that movie wouldn't make two billion dollars right away. Um, yeah, I mean, I I would pay for it. So, yeah, what does that tell you? I don't know. <laughs> I like it. You fucking stole mine. I I was gonna say you as the fucking hacker here. God damn it. So, uh, yeah, I think. I mean, it's but, a good not pick. The, not, I don't even know what to take away from being right. I don't want to swap you. See, I always do the. Would this be Would this be better with a binge staffer? And I think that you and Ving could tag team this. Like, it's just like a you know. That a, I like. You, you. It's even more locked down. The two of you together. So it's like Ethan's Ethan's set with both of you hacking together. And so, there's no one to be able to fuck with them. So. <laughs> I like it. I like Smart it. Way. I I could yep. be the Benji role in later movies. I could totally do that. It's <laughs> fine. There you go. Exactly. But yeah. Um yeah, I I got to say we've done a lot of uh episodes of movie homework before the new format and after the new format. Um this has been I think my favorite movie to sort of rediscover. Um you really? know, this, okay. Nice. This was really fucking good, man. I was surprised at how much I liked this, how much I was into it. Um, it felt like a 90s action movie, but in the best way possible. It, it, felt, like, it felt like somebody who w- was in total command of the frame, knew exactly what they wanted to do. You had a movie star that was doing a, a lot of good things, kind of, I don't want to say at the height of his powers, because I feel like, he may be at the height of his powers now, Tom Cruise, but um, it just worked for me. Everything worked in this movie. I was so surprised. I was so pleasantly shocked by um, what this movie was. As far as a letter grade goes, I, I have to give this an A. I, I really was surprised at how much I liked this. But um, what would you give this? I would be plus. B plus. All right. So, all right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, same. I really enjoyed this. It was, uh, yeah, it was definitely a good rewatch. And uh, after seeing the new one, it's it, yeah, it was cool seeing Zerny back. Like I didn't, I guess I didn't even realize that cause it, it's been a long time since I've revisited even three, four, or five in that matter. I mean, it's, yeah. it's been a while. I, Fallout definitely still stands out, even above Dead Reckoning for me. Mm. Um, I think you said that as well, right? Is Fallout still your favorite of after seeing Part One? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we, yeah. we've we've talked about the first movie a bit. I mean, it is opening weekend, so we, I, I feel like we can give a few thoughts on the new movie. If uh, people want to peace out now, uh, you know, that's fine. But, uh, yeah, what, what what were your thoughts on Dead Reckoning Part 1? I really, really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a lot of fun. I I texted you earlier, I don't know, a few days ago when you'd seen it. And I, that, that train sequence at the end, it just... I don't know. I was locked in, man. I was just like, all right, on the edge of my seat the whole time. It, it's mm. it's really fun, and I think Haley Atwell's a great addition. Palm Clement or whatever. She's yeah. a a good new villain. Uh, yeah, I, I, it had a lot going for it, and I fucking hate the fact that we're doing this now with movies where we're just like, oh, this is the part one of movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pause, but. Even with that said, I still had a really good time with it. It was a really fun action movie. I still think I lean Fallout. Uh, that helicopter fight just fucking does it for me in the the yeah. bathroom sequence with Henry Cavill. I think, yeah, I think Fallout's still my favorite of the bunch, but it, it still is a really, really fun summer blockbuster action movie. And 
Tom Cruise knows what the fuck he's doing, man. He's he, yeah. he's just he's just locked in and, and tuned in with what people are clamoring for for big budget blockbuster movies, and he he delivers. I think so. What about you? Where where do you fall? Yeah, I I can't deny Fallout is the best of the series. It just is. It's a the the plot is a little bit cleaner for me, and it's much more straightforward and propulsive. It's just like got to get the thing, got to solve this problem, got to go here to find this mm-hmm. out, and and you know all that stuff. This one. I loved watching it. The part one of it all is just what bugs me because it feels like they had some ideas and then the story probably got bigger than they expected and they found a place to cut it in half. But in order to do that, they had to like pad a few things and make them make sense and and, and like have a lot of time to do other stuff. Like in the third act, there are fairly significant chunks of time where you, you actually are away from Tom Cruise for a bit. Even though he, you know what he's doing, but like, the camera cuts away from from him for like a solid six to seven minutes, a, a couple of times, and it kind of felt like, oh, we gotta we gotta make this feel like its own own movie. So we'll build in like more characters and and more people in this place to do this thing and all this other stuff. But there's no denying it's top tier action movie. Um, like, the fact that Fallout is better than this is not me shitting on this movie. I think these are are like the the absolute gold standard for franchise filmmaking um, yep. right now and looking back from the last twenty six years, Mission Impossible two no. notwithstanding, it, this 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 franchise is incredible. Like you can't, it, it's unbelievable that it's getting better the more movies they make. It's it's completely yeah. counterintuitive. But. It just keeps delivering. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Great stuff. Yep. Great stuff. But yeah, yep. yeah. So that actually brings up another thing. Um, so going forward with movie homework, I think we're going to try to uh, tie in our movies with some stuff that's coming out in theaters. That way, you can do your movie homework, and it will actually t- you know be relatable to something that you can go and see in the theaters that week. Um, so with that in mind, uh, Chad, what do we have lined up for next time? So two weeks from today, or not today, or whenever, I don't even know. Uh, we're going back for... Yeah, we're going back four summers to... Uh, the summer of 2019, when there, you know, the world wasn't quite, it, it was still crazy, but not quite as crazy, right? 2020 hadn't happened yet. Either way, sure. we're going A24 Midsommar. We're finally doing it. Uh, they've got a new horror movie coming out uh, July 28th called Talk to Me, which is their uh, most widely uh, distributed movie since Midsommar, and it's a horror movie as well. We thought, hey, why not uh, tie this in with it? We, you and I have been wanting to talk about this at length for a while now and i think it just works really well so i think honestly what we were debating doing for the first uh bring back of movie homework so that's right i think it's it's a perfect one to throw in here so getting ready for it ari aster it's my fucking boy right there and uh excited very excited for this one so all right um binge movie homework at gmail.com you can send us a message and any suggestions or uh topics that you want us to cover in the future we can certainly cover those um, and you can get at us on Facebook. Um, I'm on Facebook. Chad's on Facebook. And we still have the Binge Media uh, fan group. So if you go Facebook. there. Oh, you're not on Facebook anymore. I'm not, I'm not on Facebook. I've not, I've not had Facebook since 2020. Oh, <laughs> son of a bitch. I didn't realize that. I must be confusing you with that other Chad. All right. Well, oh, uh, that you, gross Chad. Yes. <laughs> your words, not mine. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Facebook. And uh, yeah, we can go from there. But uh, until next time. Chad, you got anything else for the uh, listeners? 
Got absolutely nothing, man. All right, excellent. We'll catch you next time. I'm saying peace. See you. Thank you for listening to Movie Homework, a Binge Media production. Follow the Binge Media Podcast Network at bingemedia.com, patreon.com slash bingemedia, or wherever you get podcasts. Got a movie suggestion? An award suggestion? Send us an email at bingemoviehomework at gmail.com. <laughs>